This is Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. A great program today. Tom Reed is with me. Tom is a good friend and he is the executive director of the Unity Shop here in Santa Barbara that has kind of a national footprint as well. Tom's a great guy. Uh, I think you'll learn a lot. So stay tuned. The Good Life is next. This is Good Life. I'm Dean Wilson. Thanks for joining us today. I have a special guest, uh, longtime friend, Tom Reed is with me. Welcome, Tom. Well, Dean, it's good to be with you today. Uh, Tom was born in San Antonio, Texas, raised in Michigan, served in the Air Force as a pilot, I believe. Uh, True enough. And joined the Unity Shop as development director in 2002 and then executive director in 2004. Tom, tell us, just before we get into the Unity Shop and your work that you do, tell us just a little bit about your kind of born and raised, your family of origin, and how you got to California. Well, uh, we could take all the time with that. I was born in San Antonio, but I didn't like it. I left when I was six weeks old. <laughs> uh, my dad was a howitzer instructor in World War II. He waited until uh, I was born so that the Army could pay for that, and then we all jumped in a car and headed to Michigan, where I was raised. Went to Michigan State University, um, degree in advertising, mostly played guitar and hockey in college, but then when the Vietnam War was on, uh, ended up going to the Air Force as a pilot for five years, and uh, kind of grew up a little bit there. They handed me a $20 million airplane and an eight-man crew, and they said, here, you take this stuff to Ethiopia, and you are responsible for it. So that was, a, that was a great period of my life. And so then after the, in the Air Force, I met a guy who was a general's aide and, and he and I kind of vibrated about the same business uh, venture goals and dreams. And so uh, I moved to California when I got out of the Air Force in 1974 and uh, got into real estate development with him. Uh, ended up losing a home to a fire in 1978 and uh, Everything I'd collected flying around the world in the Air Force went up um, in a heartbeat. And I was just in the midst of talking to some business guys about spiritual things. Um, I wasn't particularly interested in religion at that point, but <clears throat> they were just talking about Christ and the Bible. And, and so I was interested in that, but uh, very confusing when my house burned down mm -hmm. and uh, trying to figure out how all that fit. And then I moved to Reno, Nevada, had some business things up there that we were developing and uh, built a house and it was uh, destroyed in an avalanche induced mudslide. That was five years after the fire. But a good friend of mine was killed in my house and he was, he was a young pastor, about 34 years old. And that was one of those big, that was a hinge point you know, that that door of my life swings on that was a life changer for me. And I just thought, uh, I didn't have the emotional energy to just get in business and try to make money. I was trying to struggle with what are we doing here? What's the meaning in life? What's the purpose? What's important? What, what do we, what's it all about? And so I got out of the business world and uh, kind of went into an outreach to businessmen and a uh, traveling musician doing uh, music about what I was learning about essentially in churches and men's conferences primarily did that for 15 years. And then, Moved to Santa Barbara in 2000, got introduced to the, the Unity Shop, and it was kind of a continuation. It's, it's what we're supposed to do to take care of each other and take care of the less fortunate. And uh, I think the meaning and purpose is a, is a natural continuation for me. 
Wow. So, so you experienced a, uh, a lot of kind of trauma. Well, oddly enough, it parallels what we've been through here in Santa Barbara. You know, the Thomas fire and then the mudslide. Uh, I can identify with everything those people went through right. uh, and the people that we take care of. And so that's, I think what it, what it points to is, is a, that idea of identifying and vibrating to, to what the need is. It's just easy to kind of get caught up in your own uh, track and be thinking about your own agenda because that's, that's natural. Um, what kind of bends you out of that sort of routine is to is to think more on the spiritual side of you know the so what what can we do for others what can we do that's that's really meaningful and and make a difference in 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 life yeah yeah Let, let's pretend for a minute before we get into the current kind of situation and the crisis that we're facing Let's pretend for a minute that somebody's never heard of the Unity Shop. They're watching this uh, wherever they are. Mm. Actually, mm. the Unity Shop, Santa Barbara, California. Tell us right. what it is. Well, the Unity Shop uh, started by Pearl Chase, who's a very famous name, actually, in Santa Barbara history. But it was in 1917, 103 years ago. It was Christmas only, volunteers, and they, they did food for families that were struggling toys for kids, even if they were used and broken. And, and they, they gave stuffed animals away to seniors that were in convalescent hospitals. I think that was the three little committees. And the whole idea was that these um, families, especially, and it was Christmas only, of course, for 60 or 70 years. And so uh, it was just a sensitivity to the fact that people can go through a difficult time. And a lot of the, a lot of the folks way back then were uh, taking care of people's homes that were like second homes. A lot of people lived in LA, but had a home here. And the, and the people that were taking care of those would go through very, very difficult times. And so to provide some food or kind of temporary crisis too. And so um, that has gone year round as of about the mid eighties, 1980s, and expanded from three little programs to eight different programs now all responding to what the people's needs are that we're experiencing in Santa Barbara County. So we've gotten up to 22,610 people that we've taken care of. Uh, but what's unique about it is we have uh, over 300 social service agencies, could be Department of Social Services, Unemployment, could be schools, uh, nurses, teachers, and counselors can refer families to us when they discover they're in need. It uh, could be, you know, a, a, a church, a hospital, uh, counseling centers. 300 of those uh, find out people are struggling in temporary crisis of some kind and to prevent them in the sort of a safety net uh, action to keep them from falling deep into welfare or even going homeless, they're sent to the Unity Shop. Almost everybody needs food. And so uh, as a crying uh, basic human need, uh, we've created a full-on grocery store. And the unique aspect of Unity Shop is when they come through for whatever the need is that we're providing for, they have the choice. We're not handing them a bag of food or a box of food. We're letting them choose, which honors their preference, restores a little of their dignity. It preserves the family unit, reinforces the family in a sense, because it's not an unusual scenario for the kids that come with the families. So we got school clothes, school supplies. Whenever the families come through, of course, there's 
clothing, personal care items, household goods, all the things that families might need that they might have to buy. And when they're going through a crisis, dollars are the key. So whatever we can provide, uh, you know, car seats or strollers or whatever else, that saves them the responsibility of trying to come up with the money or using those precious dollars for things like that. So that helps. We give away new school clothes, new school supplies. That helps the kids not feel self-conscious in school and helps them succeed. Toys at Christmas, we gave 3,000 families an opportunity to come through for food and winter clothes and, and uh, toys uh, the holiday season last year. We also have a program called Job Smart, professional clothing for people getting into the workplace, resume help, tips on taking an interview, and a long-term disaster recovery program. That's kind of what we talked about earlier with the fire mudslide thing, or one, one single house burning down. All of a sudden, there's huge needs, so we take care of that. And uh, then we take care of 3,300 seniors in our Senior Resource Center. So that's the Unity Shop, and it's all done uh, in kind of a, a manner that's responding to what it feels like to be in on the receiving end. It's not from the top down where you say, well, here, we're going to match resources with needs. Uh, we're trying to listen to what it feels like and meet the real needs. Rather than do what we want to do, we want to do what they need us to do. So that's kind of a broad overview. I can talk for a long time about it. I'm passionate about it, but oh, hopefully wonderful. that gives you an idea. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's it's a neat meeting. We had an interview earlier today. And we were talking about this. I don't, Tom, do you know Dick Foth? Do you know that name? Oh, sure. From Washington, D.C. in the fellowship, yeah. He, he, he defines love in an interesting way. He, he says, love is the accurate estimation and adequate supply of another person's need. And it's, Boy, that which I think it's well said. Yeah, it's it is well said, and it's what you do, and I, and it's interesting uh, just to hear you describe that in terms of meeting needs, and uh, it's a powerful love in action. Uh, walk us through, Tom, what happened after the mudslides, because I know that changed a lot for the Unity Shop. You guys were, uh, I mean, you were front and center. In, in terms of the, the community's response to that. Walk us through just briefly what, what happened. Well, uh, it's, uh, it's a, it was a time and a phase that was so unusual for our community. Everybody did everything they knew to do. And it was really gratifying to see so many people step up. Uh, organizations came out of the woodwork. Habitat for Humanity did the Bucket Brigade. Um, 1805 and 805 strong, a lot of different agencies. And then the, the regular ones, the United Way, Santa Barbara Foundation. Um, everybody was stepping up, doing everything they knew to do. And we were involved doing what we do. Uh, and we have a long-term disaster recovery program, as I mentioned. But because of that, we have a seat at the table with the Office of Emergency Management, I was the president of VOAD for a long time. That's volunteer organizations active in disaster. So all of that gave us a presence in the midst of the disaster. And we came to the realization that case management was falling through the slats. People were frustrated because they weren't getting the help that they needed. And so we kind of raised our hand and said, you know, this is, this is a need and we will play a role with that. Well, the way it works in the nonprofit world is, you, you do what needs to be done with the assumption that you would get reimbursed for the expenses. I mean, you can, you can expend everything, all your resources, all your inventory, all of your time 
But if you don't get reimbursed, you end up going out of business. And so that, that's why it works that way. And we kind of got a little ahead of ourselves because everybody was just scrambling around doing everything they knew to do. So there was nothing malicious about this, but we just didn't get reimbursed for what we had we had expended. And we spent a lot of time, hired three people, devoted ourselves to this case management thing, which was very, very time consuming, handholding, walking people through their recovery, which is a lot of mental and spiritual counseling, as well as um, just the material things, helping people with DMV or with, with FEMA, with loans, or I mean, you know, reimbursement, all this stuff got very complicated, a lot of paperwork. So we just spent a lot of time doing that and, and ended up expending a lot of time, resources, inventory, as I mentioned. And when, when that reimbursement came back only at about 20% of what we had expended, we found ourselves in a bit of a crisis. And so we scheduled a temporary closure last year uh, in the months of uh, the end of September up through the very first part of November. And it, it kind of threw a little bit of a, a sense of doubt in the community because usually if anybody closes, there's, there's uh, a lack of confidence or maybe there's hidden mismanagement or something. That really wasn't the case for us. But we wanted the community to know that we, what had happened. And we wanted to just focus on restabilizing ourselves and kind of raising the funds that we needed to raise. And so we were very successful with that. Super pleased that the community stepped up and really valued the Unity Shop. And thankfully, that those funds carried us into the very first part of this year when here comes the virus. And all of a sudden, the whole community was thrown into turmoil. And so uh, we've, uh, we've stepped up, focused. We've actually diverted all of our employees and all of our resources toward food distribution because that is the basic essential need and our employees are basically frontline folks i mean they've got masks and gloves and all the disinfectant and everything but they're interacting every day with people that they don't know who could be contagious who could be infected so i have the highest regard for our employers or employees who are doing the hard work and we're thrilled to be able to do it um, and we're the only the only permanent uh, open facility for food distribution, one of the few pantries in town that is permanent. And uh, we offer choice still, and we have dairy and refrigeration and freezers. And so we have all of the, all of the full range of food products, which is not even possible with some of the pop-up food uh, distribution places. And haven't your numbers tripled since COVID? Actually, more than that, um, as much as four times what we've had uh, traditionally day over, uh, you know, year over year. And uh, so we've had to buy a lot of food. There's no doubt about it. But that's a very efficient way to run the railroad as long as you have the dollars, because by offering choice, we know what our clients prefer. We know what they will choose. And so some of the sometimes we get food donated to us and it isn't exactly what they would need or would choose. So when we're buying things, in bulk, uh, it can, uh, it's a very efficient way to run the railroad. Of course, it costs money, and uh, that's why we're kind of constantly in that fundraising mode. It's, uh, it's one of the downsides of the nonprofit world is the, uh, it, there's a dollar sign in front of everything that you do, unfortunately. Right. And where are you just, where are you today? So you've been through <laughs> fire, the mudslide, COVID, and then you had to close, and then you opened, and, and now you're quadrupling your food supply where are today in terms of financially and what do, what do people need to know as we head towards the end of this horrific year what do people need to know about the unity shop and where you are right now 
Well, it's a good question. Um, I'd say we're very stable and very strong. Uh, the foundation community has uh, refocused, I would say, from every one of their objectives and guidelines, which is, which is everything, to the basic essential core needs. And so the foundation community has really supported the Unity Shop. The difficulty, of course, is there is a, a ceiling on how much, how much funding is available through the foundations. They're obligated to give away 5% of their net assets. And when that runs out and they've been inundated with requests based on this pandemic, with, so they're, they're on the verge of running out of dollars. And so we can't count on that for the balance of the year and we're only halfway through. And then of course, our support from other sources would be, okay, let's see businesses. Well, a lot of businesses are closed. They're talking about a raft of bankruptcies that are coming. And uh, businesses, not all of them are doing very well and the economy is down having been shut down. And now we're in a mandatory shutdown again for the next three weeks from the governor. So then the others, another source of donations would be individuals. And often the uncertainty of a stock market the way it is right now, up and down, no one knows where it's gonna go. We've got an election year. And it's, 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 it's just a roller coaster. So the uncertainty puts a, a hesitation on the part of individuals. So then we're relying upon events. Well, <laughs> all of them are canceled. So, <laughs> so we're saying, okay, we're strong right now, but we're, we're inviting the community's help because we know that we're not done with this. I was just on a Zoom call with Santa Barbara Foundation right now and their their timeline for the recovery extends to June 2022, a two-year recovery from this. And so we're not sure, there is no end game. I mean, here we are with a pandemic that um, is highly contagious and there is no cure. And it turns out that the youth uh, are very susceptible to getting infected they they don't get impacted from a from a personal sickness is as bad, but they're super contagious. So now what? How do we how do we respond? You got childcare issues, you got school closures, you got people trying to go to work with their school kids at home. There's all kinds of ramifications to this, and we are focusing primarily on food right now. I think, Dean, as we move toward the balance of this year, we're going to heighten and enhance and deepen our Job Smart program because this whole unemployment thing and getting people lined up with jobs is going to be more of an art form than we've had to respond to in the past. And so we're, uh, we're, we're planning for that, not even sure what that's going to look like, but we want to expand that uh, significantly. Right. And, and if schools, I mean, with schools being so uncertain, that affects working families a lot. It sure does. It sure does. Because the child care, you know, just this morning, I learned a lot of the child care facilities are, have closed right. because they don't have the funds to keep going without the kids. Now they're crying, you know, because of the infection. So now that child care facilities are closing and when the, when the parents are trying to get back to work, how do you handle that when they, when they need child care, but there isn't even a place open? They're, they're actually looking for empty buildings to try to create child care. Well, think of the regulations and the training and the equipment and all of the stuff that's got to take place. We are just not done with this thing. 
everybody's tired of it. Right. I agree, and I'm tired of it too, but we can't quit because we're just not done. Yeah, yeah. Tom, you're a, I, I, you're kind of a pillar of the community kind of a guy. You're, you're always the same. I love that about you. You're steady. You're always talking about the same stuff. Your heart is like wonderful. Um, in this time, very kind of you. I'll stop. I've known you a long time. I'm allowed to tell the truth, Tom. Okay. Uh, but but everybody appreciates you in this community. I can tell you that. I, I talk to a lot of people. Everybody knows you. They know what you're about. You're steady as she goes, and your heart's for the poor. And, and you've impacted hundreds of thousands of lives over eight, over years. So thank you. But I, I wanted to ask you this. In, in, in the current environment that we're in, in this period of unrest, in this period of, uh, there's a lot of anger, you know, and you, you, you know, the, 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 the events that have happened with the police that I think has picked the scab off of a lot of wounds um, that maybe have never been resolved or addressed. Right. And you, you combine that with poverty and unemployment and we have the recipe here and we're seeing it unfold. Um, the name of your organization seems like it's the right name for this period of time. You know, the, the, how do we, uh, what would you say, I guess, in this environment in terms of working toward unity, being peacemakers, caring for those in need? What would be your message, Tom, at this really combustible, difficult time? Well, it's, a, it's an excellent question because we really do need to pull together. We need to, everybody needs to be leaning into this. Um, we used to refer to the golden rule, you know, treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. We often wait to be treated and see if we like it and then we'll respond maybe. But the, but it's, the initiative is to treat, lean into it do what's, what was needed to be done, and the results will be much better. Now, from a spiritual point of view, I've often thought that here we, here we are in a situation in the arena that we are all active and, and trying to react to. And ultimately, there is no real black or white. It's mostly gray. We're mostly in an interim where there's different opinions wildly different political opinions, different ideas, different concepts, different approaches for everything. And so in a sense, it's a test of character on how well you can love each other in the midst of unanswerable conflict. And rather than being reduced to just writing off the other person as a fool or an idiot and saying, I don't care what you come up with, it's wrong. And besides that, I don't like you anyway, kind of a thing. I mean, that's where this conversation, this con this, uh, this conversation goes nationally. And so let's not go there. Let's say, okay, let me, let's listen, understand what the other person is saying and what they're coming up to. And our character development will be enhanced and we'll come up with better ideas and better answers. We've tried to do that with unity by, by listening to what it feels like. And that emotional component is really wild. I don't know if I ever told you, I, we, we had a lady come to us last Christmas who, who drove up from L.A. And she handed us a check for $1,000. And she said, you know, a long time ago, I married uh, an artist who essentially was failing. I had three kids. 
we were going to have the worst Christmas we ever had in our lives. We didn't have toys. We didn't even have food. And she said, here's a check. Thank you so much to the Unity Shop. You helped my family 52 years ago. Wow. That's wow. what I Wow. She's still thinking about that 52 years ago. So the message is every family that comes to the Unity Shop, there's an emotional impact. Everybody is feeling something, whether it's articulated or not. And most of these people that are on the receiving end feel like they have no voice. They feel like they're invisible. And so they, are, they feel like they're in a very weak position. We need to lift those people up. We need to listen. We need to do the right thing, realizing that the emotional component is what will last a long, long, long time. And that's where the meaning comes from, Dean. Yeah, I mean, you're, you got, you're an advocate. The Unity Shop's an advocate. I think about yeah. that. You know, and nobody, you don't forget when you're behind the eight ball or you're in the corner and you're in your worst moment, you don't forget the person who helps you in that moment. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. The uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan is, is kind of an interesting deal because everybody thinks, you know, if you're familiar with the story, you always think, well, uh, who's who's the who's your neighbor? Because, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, love God, love your neighbor. And so that's what we're trying to do at Unity. And so the question came back from the lawyer, well, who's my neighbor? And we always think it's the guy in the ditch. You know, you're supposed to go help the guy in the ditch. <laughs> And ultimately, was it the Pharisee? Was it the priest? Uh, no, it was the Samaritan. Well, who's the Samaritan? The Samaritan is the guy that came along and did the helping. So here are these people. This is the woman in L.A. She didn't forget the person who helped her, the, unit, the organization that helped her. So there's more than one way to interpret that parable. We're supposed to go and do likewise. That's take care of the guy in the ditch, take care of the people that are struggling. But also remember the people that are doing the helping. We should be honoring all those first responders that are out there. Like I, I'm trying to honor and respect and, and take good care of our employees because they're doing that work. They're going the extra mile to help people. And that's really what we should be about. And if we were all to do that, you know, that, that golden rule, if, you, if everybody treated everybody else the way they'd like to be treated, all of a sudden, Washington, D.C., would be fixed. Sacramento would be a lot better. City Hall would work. Every family would work. Every business would work. It's one of those simple uh, one-liners that Jesus came up with that actually could change the world. <laughs> Let Washington, D.C. know about this idea, Tom. Yeah, a good idea. It's, they probably haven't heard of it. <laughs> only left, but I wanted, real, real quick, tell the Brad Paisley story. I always love this. He's a local well, he bought he bought a house in he bought a house in Montecito. I don't mean to interrupt. You were kind of cutting out there for a second, but he bought a house in Montecito. He thought his kids were getting a little entitled. Casper uh, Jasper was three, Huck was seven, so he was getting an early start on this. But he called his realtor and said, "We're coming to to our home in Montecito, and we want to volunteer at a soup kitchen or something to give our kids an experience of helping other people. But we don't know anybody. We just bought a house in Montecito. We don't know where to go." So the realtor said, no, no, you need to get down to the Unity Shop. And so here comes Brad with his wife, Kim Williams, the actress, the two kids. Sandy's the mom. She takes care of the kids. Doug is his dad, Brad's dad, and he drives the bus, okay, for, on the tours. And they came for a, for a long tour, and he was asking a lot of in-depth questions about the nonprofit world and about the Unity Shop. And I didn't realize until years later that he was actually doing research 
because he cares about his hometown in Nashville. And he, two years ago, he said, I've played every major city in America and there is nothing like the Unity Shop. And so it turns out that three weeks before the virus broke out, just before the hurricanes in Nashville, uh, tornadoes in Nashville, he opened the second Unity Shop in Nashville. And so it's a, it's a wonderful story. And uh, he calls it the store. So families can grab the kids and say, come on, we're going to the store just like everybody else. No second class citizen. The interesting thing there, though, um, is that uh, he put it on his college campus, Belmont University, in downtown Nashville. And uh, as soon as he did that, we had four college campuses contact us and say, Brad, what are you doing? We need that for our community on our campus. We've got food insecure students. Between 5 and 8% are food insecure college kids uh, on average. And we need the kids to be volunteering, learning about the nonprofit world. This could be an interesting way that the Unity Shop concept, unique in all of America, as close as I can tell, gets uh, uh, replicated. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's wonderful. Uh, the website is Unity Shop with an E at the end of shop. So Unity Actually, Old English spelling is S-H-O-P-P-E. Kenny Loggins named it that way because that's we let them do that. We don't give them anything. We let them select that shop. So unityshop.org, that's it. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yes, a wonderful man, good friend. Tom, I admire you. Appreciate everything you do. And Marsha, too. Marsha's right with mm -hmm. you and everything you do. So God bless you guys. And we're with you. And I encourage anybody who's watching to, to, to help out Unity Shop and get to know Tom. They'll give you a tour. I've, I've done that several times. It's great. So thank you, Tom. I appreciate it, Dean. Thanks very much for the time. We'll see you next time. All right. Bye now.